Welcome. I'm Shalom Black, the Grants Coordinator for Loudoun County's Department of Management and Budget. Thanks for joining me today for this webinar on Grants 101, What to Know Before You Apply. A brief overview of the presentation. Um, we'll talk a bit about why you should apply for grants, where you can find potential grants, how you know if the grant is right for you, <clears throat> Once you find a grant and it's a good fit, what happens next? Then we'll go over the grant basics. Um, what are the basic portions of an application that you need to know about? And then where do we go from here after you've submitted a grant? So one of the things that we often hear when people talk about grants is the reference to grants being free money. Anybody that's ever had to write or administer a grant will tell you that it is not free. Sometimes you spend more time in administering a grant and managing a grant um, than what you're actually being uh, given from the grant funder. So why apply for grants? I found a quote that I thought really spoke to the real um, reason that we apply for grants and what it can mean for both the nonprofit applicant as well as the funder. For funders, a grant award is an investment in positive change. It's a tool they use for having an impact on issues they care about. Nonprofits must consider grants from a mission-focused perspective. Since the point of a grant award is impact rather than money, the real point of a grant proposal is to rally the necessary resources to help the nonprofit fulfill its purpose to address important issues within their communities. A grant proposal is actually a call to action it's a request that a funder join the nonprofit as a partner in achieving specific results. At its best, a grant proposal is a cogent, persuasive, well-supported argument for change. And that quote comes from Barbara Flourish, who's the executive director of the Grantsmanship Center. As we think about grant proposals as a call to action and an argument for change, it can help to change the way that we uh, think about the task of writing a grant making it less onerous and more of a way of creating change that we need to see in our communities. So where can I find grants? We'll start with the different types of grants and talk about each of them individually. Federal grants are available by law um, and offered on an equal basis to everyone free of charge. You can go online and look at the Federal Register, which is at um, www.gpo.gov um, slash FDSYS. Um, this can be a bit time consuming, so my recommendation is that you start with grants.gov, which is the government's grant search engine, and that gives you pretty easy access if you type in a few keywords and identify some of the uh, federal agencies that you would like to uh, apply to, and it can show you all of the grants that are available in those areas. You also can go directly to the uh, federal government department websites, and um, there's a listing of these agencies at USA.gov. It'll show you um, whatever grants are being offered through that agency at that time. Sometimes they'll even have additional resources like previously funded grant applications um, that you can refer to, so you can get a sense of what that particular agency is looking for. State grants, just like federal grants, um, must be offered on an equal basis to everyone, free of charge. 
and you can find them either by contacting your local state representative offices or through the internet portal that is available for the state of Virginia. And um, that's through uh, governor.virginia.gov. And um, you can go in and take a look at all of the grants that are, that are available statewide. They also have a listing of a lot of the foundations that fund organizations within the state of Virginia. County grants are available through Loudoun County's website. And we offer a nonprofit grant um, that's available at www.loudoun.gov backslash nonprofit grants. Um, and that is in season, typically in the uh, January or February timeframe. Um, we give that funding to nonprofits in the human services field. We also have two other large grants that are offered. The first one is the tourism, um, the restricted, um, the restricted TOT grant, and that's typically rece released in the March or April timeframe. If you go to our website and you do a search, you can find a web page that gives you more information about that grant as well. We also um, offer uh, community development block grants, and those are federal pass-through funds that are administered through the Department of Family Services. Typically, those are released in October. So stay tuned to the county website um, for those particular grant opportunities. So grants from private foundations are not required to be publicly posted. Um, sometimes they will put an ad in a newspaper um, announcing that the request for proposals, or RFP, has been released. Um, sometimes you need to approach a, a particular funder and see if they are accepting applications. Uh, for example, local banks and civic organizations, uh, such as Rotary and Kiwanis, often will have a small pot of discretionary funds that they will offer um, to organizations that submit a brief application. In addition, some of the larger uh, chain stores like Walmart and Target and Best Buy can offer uh, funding in small amounts as well as in-kind donations to organizations. I would also recommend that you look um, online. The Foundation Center is a fantastic uh, grants database and uh, that full database is available at George Washington University Ashburn or in their um, home base in downtown DC. Uh, you can look up um, the uh, types of foundations, the areas that they serve. Um, unfortunately, to do so online, you have to have a subscription. But if you go to one of those two locations, those full databases are available. The other thing that I recommend is signing up for email announcements and newsletters um, through the agencies that are most relevant to your field of interest. Um, you can do a search through various search engines. Um, you can also look through area associations that are related to the field that you serve in. Um, two other websites that I recommend and personally like to use that have 
a list of local funders that could potentially fund uh, programs in Loudoun County are the uh, Washington Regional Area Grantmakers Association, and that's uh, WashingtonGrantmakers.org. And um, actually, the state of Maryland's grants website is um, very, very helpful. It's got a very long list of foundations that give grants to the area. And because a lot of those organizations uh, give funding in the DC metropolitan area, um, some of those might be applicable to Loudoun County organizations as well. So those are the two that I highly recommend you check out as you get started. How do I know if a grant is a good fit? Um, first of all, you need to review the announcement and take a look at several key points. Who are the eligible applicants? Um, are they only funding 501c3 nonprofits? Are they only funding um, local government? It's not always, it's not always a uh, bad idea if, if they aren't funding nonprofits to look for partners who might be able to work with you and apply. So for example, um, perhaps a funder is only looking to give funds to a public school. If your organization has a relationship with public schools, perhaps you could approach them and ask them to be the lead applicant on the grant. For eligible activities, you want to um, check and see what types of things they are willing and able to cover with the grant funds. The date due, obviously, very important. Um, you need to know how long you have to work on the grant. And then the award ceiling is basically the top amount of funding that they are able to give out with this grant. Um, sometimes that's listed and sometimes it's not. The award start date and the length of the funding is another important thing to consider, as are the grant requirements. Those might be things like, do they require matching funds, Does, which means that your organization would have to either identify cash funding or in-kind donations to um, match a certain percentage of the grant funding. What are the reporting requirements? Do they have a lot of things that they want you to track that would be very difficult to track? Um, would you have to hire another person to come on staff to actually do all of the tr data tracking and reporting? Um, is it really worth that effort? And just generally take a look at the fine print. Make sure that the requirements that they are putting out there um, don't conflict with the program that you want to um, that you want to have sponsored. And finally, the funder focus and their history of giving. Um, this can be determined by looking at the funders 990s, which are available through GuideStar and the Foundation Center. Um, this will give you a good sense of where a funder typically funds um, their organizations. So sometimes you'll come across an organization that says it's an, a, a national nonprofit, um, but they really only fund nonprofits in one particular area. Uh, for example, uh, I see that a lot in Western Pennsylvania. Um, maybe they do fund one or two national pro uh, projects, but then the other 30 uh, projects that they're funding are located in that specific geographical area. The other thing you could take a look at is the size and type 
of agencies that are being funded. Perhaps they say they're open to funding any size nonprofit, but really they're only funding statewide agencies or larger agencies as opposed to smaller ones. You also can get a good sense of the range of funding by looking at the Funders 990. Um, a lot of times they will give you a range, but this gives you a, an even better sense of how much to ask for based on how much they've given to these organizations that received funding in the past. The next step is to review your program. Take a look at your goals and activities that are part of the program, what the project length is like, your existing capacity that you have, that would include fiscal capital, so the grants that you have in place and other revenue, um, the human capital, which would be your project staff and your volunteers that are in place, and finally, the program needs. Do you need to do outreach and awareness? Do you have a need for education? Are you doing direct service, which would be personnel, supplies, or materials? Uh, or are you looking to do some expansion of an existing program? Then you would realistically compare the grants key points with your program components and take a look and see, are our goals and activities similar? Is the timing realistic? Can I really get this grant written in four weeks? And what if I wanna implement the grant at the beginning of the school year, but this grant funding doesn't start until January? Is there a way to make it work um, realistically? Finally, take a look at the requirements and make sure they're feasible for your organization and for the capacity that you have for your staff. And then you'll want to realistically calculate your chances of actually getting the grant. Now, your chances are best with local funders who already know your organization and who are aware of the local need. I will state that Federal grants are a huge undertaking and typically fund very few applicants, sometimes only four or five applicants nationally. Sometimes they'll, they'll fund more, um, 50 or 60 applicants, um, but you have to keep in mind that that is still an average of one per state. So unless you're really certain that your program is one of the absolute best standout programs and that you have um, every reason to believe that you could be the top choice from your state, um, I recommend that you really take a t bit of time to consider whether it's worth the effort. Federal grants can take upwards of 80 to 100 hours to um, work on uh, and complete. Um, usually you have to have a team of individuals who are writing the grant um, and it can just really use a lot of your staff time um, with the potential for not um, having a big payoff um, in the end. So let's say you find a grant and it's a good fit. Where do you go from there? You need to take a look and figure out how you need to prepare. So for the grant itself, you need to ensure that your organization has a DUNS number and is registered with the System for Award Management, um, also known as SAM. And you need to do this three to four weeks prior to the grant being due. Um, you have to have those in place, that registration and the DUNS number in place before you submit your application. It is important to note that this does take a while. 
You need to make sure that your 501c3 status is confirmed, that you have documentation showing that you are a certified 501c3. You also need to make sure that you have your most uh, current W-9 tax form, as well as your organization's EIN number. And then any audit information or financial statements um, that you're able to provide as well. Within your agency, make sure that you create a timeline and work backward from the grant's due date to try to determine when different things are due. Um, if there's a process for getting things signed or if perhaps the person who signs your grants will be on vacation the week that it's due, make sure that you give yourself enough time realistically to get them a solid draft to review and uh, get their signature on it. You may also want to determine what dates you need to have um, a letter of uh, recommendation or a memorandum of understanding um, for your grant submitted to you. Um, if you're working with partners, you'll want to have deadlines for them to get their portions sent to you so that you can compile the grant and do an overall review before submitting it. You'll also need to determine, obviously, if there's any department approval, fiscal approval that needs to happen through your organization, and um, then start looking for background data and other research that may have been compiled within your agency that could help out with writing the grant. Sometimes uh, organizations that are um, funding will request a letter of intent, um, and that basically is a way of showing them who is planning to apply for the funding opportunity. In some cases, they actually use it as a bit of a tool to weed out applicants and determine who will submit a full application. And in those cases, you'll cover um, in a letter um, the, the ideas that you want to um, present to them, sort of the high-level overview of the grant and the program that you're wanting to fund. So it would be things like the, your specific need in the community, your program to address the need, the funds needed to achieve the desired outcomes, and the organization's background and history. Um, if you are then invited to apply, you would fill out a full application. Now, sometimes the federal government also uses letter of intent, um, and that's typically to determine how many people are going to apply for the opportunity and make sure they have the correct number of reviewers. We're going to walk through the basic um, parts of a grant application now. Um, I will say that I um, adapted these from the Grantsmanship Center, um, which is uh, tgci.com. And um, these are just sort of broad categories, and they go by different names. So the first one is the proof that the applicant organization is strong and viable. So it's also known as your organization background, mission, history, and milestones. These are factual and objective descriptions of the organization's accomplishments. And if your organization is new, it's going to be the background of your staff and your board of directors um, in order to provide credibility. You also want to make sure, if your organization is new and doesn't have a track record, that you stress the uh, community partnerships that you have in place to build confidence. Um, so who are you working with in the community? Who are some of your other funders who are on board, um, who've placed 
some uh, faith in your organization. Think of this part of the grant as the resume for your organization. The goal is to impress the reader with the organization's credibility and qualifications. The next part is a compelling description of the situation that you're going to address. This is also known as your problem statement or your statement of need. So you wanna ask yourself a variety of questions as you're completing this. Who is affected? What are their qualities or characteristics? That's sort of your demographic information. How many people are affected? Where do they live? In what ways are they affected? And to what extent? And then how do you know? This is where you wanna use research and quantify the problem using hard data and always cite the sources of research that you're using. My recommendation is to uh, look for government-sponsored um, data um, or data coming out of research universities as those really are the most reliable. Why is the problem significant? And if you know, why is the problem occurring? One note I'd like to make here is that the situation for which you're seeking the grant should not be about your organization. It should be about the people that you are serving. So why would a funder necessarily care if your organization will um, fold if it doesn't get $100,000 in grant funds? That's less important to them than the fact that um, you will not be able to serve 200 children in elementary school um, hot meals if your organization folds. Um, so you really want your focus in this needs section to be about the individuals that you serve as opposed to your organization and its need. The next part of the grant is the clear statement of expected program results. This is also known as your goals, outcomes, or objectives. I go into more detail in another training about this, um, so we'll just hit sort of the highlights. What do you expect to result from the program? Your objectives need to be SMART, that is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. And if you've defined the problem well, then the outcomes will follow logically. There's this if-then relationship between them. So you wanna think about what outcomes your program prevents. So for example, that might be the cost for other services, um, short-term or long-term. And if possible, try to calculate the savings that your program brings about. The next section is a plan of action. That might also be called the methods, the approach, the program plan, or the work plan. And this is basically a plan that's created to accomplish projected outcomes. Explain it like you would to someone who knows nothing about it. Just assume that your reader is completely unfamiliar with your program. And ask yourself the journalist questions. Who, what, where, when, why, how? So who? Who will be in charge of getting the work done? and who will be served or affected. What? What will be happening? What are the specific strategies that will be used? When? What's your timeline for these activities? Where? Where will the work take place? How? How will the work be accomplished? And finally, why this approach? What's the rationale between, 
by uh, using this rationale, this program instead of other programs. Um, certainly you had a choice when you decided what approach you would take, and funders usually want to know why you chose this approach as opposed to others. <coughs> the evaluation plan is the next part of the application, and this basically describes how the organization measures the level to which the program is achieving its ex expected outcomes and documents that the program activities unfolded according to plans, as well as any course corrections that are needed. So you also need to think about how your organization will know whether the program approach is working or when revisions to your plan are needed. Um, some of the things you might want to monitor to uh, answer those questions are things like client participation, community support, feedback from clients, collaborati collaborators and others, and client satisfaction, as well as your staff's own feedback. Another part is sustainability. Now, there typically are four basic ways that nonprofit organizations get funds, through grants or contracts, through donations, through program fees, and in some rare and very lucky instances, through investment income. In terms of sustainability, there are typically three different kinds. The one we typically think about when we are writing a grant and somebody asks us about sustainability is fiscal sustainability. Um, typically, the answer sounds something like this. After these, this grant fun, uh, funding ends, I'm going to write more grants to keep the program going. Um, that is one way to do it, certainly. Um, and it's important that you have an idea of how you will sustain the fiscal portion of your program. But I'd also like to suggest that you think about sustainability in two other um, ways. The first is through the partnerships that you create as a result of the program. So perhaps your organization um, creates a coalition of other organizations doing similar work. And um, that would be an ongoing and sustainable um, coalition that comes about as a result of the grant funds. Um, the other thing that sometimes happens is perhaps you contract with another organization and that organization takes over the program for you and decides that they want to make it a part of their mission. I've seen this happen sometimes and um, it can be a very good way to get a program off the ground. The other type of sustainability that I want you to think about is resource development. So are you develop doing any type of professional development or training with the grant funds? Um, if so, then your staff is providing sustainability because they're going to be able to carry out the program after the grant funding ends. Um, perhaps you're buying supplies or equipment or curricula or things of that nature that can be used beyond the end of the grant as well. Those are the types of resources that um, continue uh, the sustainability of the program um, beyond just the fiscal piece. So I wanted to go through some helpful things to remember as you are writing this portion of your grant. It is very useful to develop a template to reuse for other grants or reports or planning. Sometimes we call these boilerplate. 
Um, and boilerplates can be um, especially useful for your organizational background and history, since that typically doesn't change a whole lot. Um, and sometimes even for your demographic information for your um, people that you serve. And um, those things can be updated on a regular basis. Um, and then used to kind of fit into um, different grants that you apply for. You obviously want to write persuasively to get your case across. You need to use the freshest data and research. Um, I can tell you as someone who has read a lot of grant applications that if the most recent uh, research that you're citing is from 10 or 20 years ago, um, I'm probably not going to be entirely convinced that that is still relevant um, since a lot of human service uh, data is really being, uh, and research is being conducted regularly. Um, use past grant applications or strategic plans or work plans and agency brochures to help you um, come up with some of the um, bits of narrative that you need. Um, it's okay to cut and paste uh, from some of the other uh, narratives that you've used in the past. Also be sure not to use too much jargon and to spell out any acronyms. Don't assume that the acronyms that you use are being used by everybody. Um, I'll give you an example of um, one thing that kind of confused me. And Washington County, Maryland, where I'm from, uh, the CAC is our Community Action Council. When I started working in Franklin County, Pennsylvania, um, the CAC there is the Children's Advocacy Center. Two very different organizations, um, obviously using the same acronym. And um, so that was one of those things that I had to be careful of as I referred to the um, organizations within my community. Um, on that same note, um, don't preach to the choir. So, for example, if you are submitting um, a request for funding to um, an organization or a, a funder that is looking to specifically fund the type of work that you do, you don't necessarily have to present all of the national level data and research on why it's a good idea. Um, I had reviewed um, some grants for the state of Pennsylvania for um, children's advocacy centers. Uh, they wanted to give funding to counties to create new children's advocacy centers statewide. And um, so some of the applications I got went through all of the national level research about why CACs are a good thing and how every community should have one. Um, and I thought, you know, we're we're pretty much convinced of that. That's why we're giving out the funding, because we think they're a good idea and we want you to start one. You don't have to convince us, um, but you do have to show us your local need and the local data that supports why your county in particular um, needs its own CAC. So just be aware of your audience. Be aware of who you're writing for and what they may or may not know about your organization. Another great idea that I um, would really advise is using subtitles or cues to the application questions within the narrative that you're writing. Um, sometimes the grant 
will ask you to answer multiple questions in one text box or in one section. Um, and in those cases, there are specific things that reviewers are typically looking for as they read through your narrative. Um, and it's very, very useful if you can either write that question out again or use a portion of that question as a subtitle to let them know that you're covering that topic in this section. That's the way that they're going to be able to go back to their scoring sheet and check off that you have answered that particular question or covered that particular topic. It just makes it a lot easier for them um, as they're scoring your application. Make sure that you use short sentences and paragraphs, and on the same note, use simple language. Um, this is not the place to dazzle others with your vast vocabulary. This is not a doctoral dis dissertation. Um, remember that you're trying to very clearly present um, a concept and convince the readers that um, your approach to this problem is a good one. Um, we want to make sure that we understand exactly what you're saying and short sentences and paragraphs are the best way to do that. Um, one of my, my uh, pet peeves is using unnecessarily vague or long words um, when a simple word will do. The example I'll give you is using the word utilize instead of use. Um, not only do they mean the same thing, but utilize takes up a lot more room on a page than the word use. To that end, make sure that you edit, 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 and then edit again. Get rid of any excess words. Um, try to write in the active voice as opposed to the passive voice because um, that will save you some space. Uh, oftentimes there are limits on the number of pages or the number of characters that you can put into a grant application. So um, there's another good reason to ensure that you are using simple language. Um, you can also look and see if bullet points might be a better way to um, express your sentiment. Sometimes those actually take up more room um, than writing it in a narrative form, so you kind of have to check that. I also highly recommend that you have somebody who's unfamiliar with your program read the proposal and see if they are able to understand it and explain it back to you. Make sure that you make your point at the beginning of each section at the, and at the beginning of each paragraph because reviewers are usually um, reviewing multiple applications, uh, sometimes 20 or more, and they'll appreciate you're getting to the point. Finally, make sure that you include the human face when you can. That would be quotes or anecdotes, perhaps a case study or example of um, individuals that you're serving. And this can really make your proposal much more readable, understandable, and, and can really um, create some sympathy for um, your organization and for the individuals that you're proposing to serve. Now we'll talk about the budget. Um, I like to, for my own planning purposes, make a spreadsheet that has four columns. Uh, the first column is your line items, and you would use your organization's chart of accounts to list the line items that need to be addressed in budgeting for this program. Your second column is the total program budget, and that's the cost of everything that'll go into the program. 
even if it's already being funded by other sources. Um, column three is the other funding, and that's where for each line item, you'll show the funding and the value of the other resources that'll be contributed from other sources. And that's where you will want to include what um, you will, will provide. And this is called the match, the leverage, or the cost sharing. And finally, in the fourth column, that's your amount of the requested grant. And that's the difference between column two and column three. That's how you'll know how much you need to request for the grant. Uh, we'll briefly go over um, budgeting for program staff. Um, first of all, you'll need to decide whether you're going to budget for um, personnel or, or paid staff, or if you're going to budget for a consultant to carry out the program. Personnel are individuals who are on your regular payroll. Um, typically, their benefits are paid. And consultants are 1099 employees. They're contracted on a limited basis and typically are employed by another agency or else they're self-employed. A lot of times organizations are a bit reticent to add a staff position that is fully funded by a grant because obviously if the grant goes away, then that staff position goes away as well. Um, there are various ways that you can calculate the uh, level of effort that your personnel will put into the program. Usually, um, directors and, and people in supervisory positions are not devoting all of their time to a program. And so you would calculate a particular portion of their efforts. So for example, if a director is going to um, be working at 10% of their effort, that's their $30 an hour fee times 40 hours a week, times 52 weeks per year, times 10%. Um, and that's how you come up with the calculation. Coordinator for the program um, perhaps will spend 100% of their time and effort on this program. So you'll multiply, again, their hourly rate versus hours per week and weeks per year to come up with that total. Also, under program staff, um, you'll be able to include fringe benefits with uh, some of the grants that you'll be applying for. And that's usually anywhere from 20% to 40% of the salary costs. It might include your uh, FICA, which is your Social Security and Medicare, workman's comp, and unemployment. It could also potentially include paid time off, health insurance, and retirement. But make sure you check with your grant funder before including those in your fringe. Now, under consultants and contracts, there are a couple of different types of consultants. Um, there's the 1099 contracted employee. You also might have a consultant who is a consulting firm. They would, for example, do a feasibility study or a needs assessment for your organization. And there, then there are those that are known as professional services. These might be psychiatrists, um, might be individuals conducting budgeting classes, or could be an engineer or motivational speaker, something along those lines. Um, as you're entering into a contract, make sure that you are working closely with the funder and that you know what requirements you need to follow. Um, also know your organization and your um, state um, codes uh, for entering into contracts as well. Um, you may need to get a bid. You may need to um, put out a request for proposals to have people um, 
try to um, to put in a bid for the work to be done. Uh, you might not need to get quotes from different um, contractors, um, or you might be able to provide a sole source justification for why you want to work with one particular contractor. And you also will need to check and see if the funds are federal. There are a lot of new regulations for federal contracts, and it's important that you um, check that out before you enter into any contract. Some funds that come through the state or the county are um, federal pass-through funds as well. Make sure that you draft your contract to meet your organization and the grant specifications and clearly state the scope of work, the expectations, and the deliverables. The next budget item is travel and training. Travel may be um, mileage for your program staff, and that can be calculated by the number of miles per month um, times 12 months times the number of staff, and then whatever rate you're using for mileage reimbursement. Um, most of the time, that's the federal rate. Um, trainings would typically include things like airfare, lodging, a rental car, per diem, also known as your meal allowance, and uh, registration fees. And uh, those can be calculated together. Um, you would calculate your lodging um, per night, your rental car per day, your per diem per day, and um, then the airfare and registration for the training that you're attending. Equipment typically qualifies as uh, over $5,000. Each grant will have some different specifications for that, however. Um, those are the types of things like copiers, servers, and vehicles that you might need. Supplies then usually are um, less than 5,000 and are generally considered uh, disposable or limited time usage. That would be things like office supplies, um, program supplies, um, software or curriculum or things like that, and even computers. The other and indirect lines of your budget um, other costs would be the direct costs that don't really fit into another specified category. Could be things like rent, utilities, or telephone services. And indirect costs may or may not be allowable. Usually federal government will allow indirect costs, but um, state and local usually are not um, quite as willing to do so. Um, this might be your general administrative or overhead costs. It could include insurance, um, garbage services, or maintenance costs. Match is the other portion of the budget. It could be a cash match. Um, in that case, your organization needs to match a specified amount of funding in the form of cash, which could include either revenue that your agency is bringing in or other grants and contributions. Um, In-kind match is the goods or services that are donated to your organization, and that might be volunteers, might be the use of a building and utilities, be advertising and it could be pro bono professional services. Um, volunteer hours can um, be calculated there. You can look it up online and um, there are calculations of um, what a volunteer hour is worth. So you can check that out and um, see what the current going rate for a volunteer hour is. Finally, attachments. 
typically uh, funders will want to see the following types of items. They might want to see brief resumes of the key staff involved in the program. They might want to look at job descriptions. They may want letters of support or commitment from your collaborators. Um, they could want to see a strategic plan for your organization. Um, they might want to see a logic model for the program. They may want your current operating budget. Um, they may also want to see a Memorandum of Understanding, or MOU, with partners. Um, they may ask for your audited financial statements. Um, and they also might want to see your 501c3 letter from the Internal Revenue Service. So you finish your grant, and now what happens? Um, you need to make sure that you get review um, and input from all of the key stakeholders and that everybody's okay with what you've written. You need to make sure that you have your letters of support collected and ready to submit. And I highly recommend that you have one last review with someone who has not been heavily involved in the grant writing process. Um, they're sort of the fresh eyes on the application and can maybe see some things that you might have overlooked. It is especially important to have somebody else double check your math for you. Finally, you'll collect the signatures that you need and then you will submit the completed application. And from there, it goes to the review by funder. Um, and as you can see in this one, is it just me or these review panels getting a lot tougher? Um, review panels are um, pretty tough. We uh, have a lot of um, criteria that we're looking for. Sometimes you'll know those criteria before you write the grant, and those will be shared as part of um, the uh, grant application process. Other times you don't actually know what exactly a review panel is looking for. Um, and you can kind of hope that they will share that with you at a later date. So sadly, you were not funded. Now what? If you didn't hear anything from them, and it should be around the time frame that they said they'd be making the award, um, you want to follow up. Not every funder will actually call or email if you don't receive funding. Um, you can always request a meeting to review the comments and the scores that the reviewers gave. Um, the federal government is actually one of the best um, at, at providing those scores and providing the feedback. Um, you also need to think about a list of other potential funding sources that could fill in the gaps in program delivery if you don't get that funding. So kind of keep those in your back pocket. And then if you find out that you were not funded, um, you can refer to those other grants or funding sources um, to help make sure that you're still able to deliver the program. Make sure that your efforts in um, creating this letter of intent or the application don't go to waste. You can integrate those uh, that work into a work plan for the program that you're planning. And most importantly, try again next year. Take any type of feedback or comments that you receive. Um, take some grant writing classes and um, see if you can try your hand at it next year. Sometimes funders are, are looking to um, see that an organization is going to uh, stick around for a couple of years, especially if you're a new organization. And uh, they might just want to see that you have a track record. Um, so you may not get the funding this year, but it's certainly worth trying again in the future. 
So you were funded, congratulations. And now you have the uh, pleasure of starting a new program potentially. You'll need to identify any new processes or procedures that were for paperwork that you're going to need to implement the grant um, and do reporting. Um, oftentimes when you get a grant, there will be specific um, requirements around the uh, intake and assessment um, process that you'll need to uh, make sure you're following. You also might need to make changes to the way you're doing reporting. Um, that might include um, some data collection, creating a reporting process, and also creating a feedback mechanism for any program revisions that might come about. You want to ensure that you are following your reporting requirements precisely. Track all of your spending and keep detailed financial reports and all of your receipts. The better that you follow these reporting requirements, the more likely the grantmaker will fund you during the next cycle because they see that you're using their, their money well. If you do have to stray from your original plan budget, get written permission from the grantmaker before you proceed. Um, I will give you a personal example. Early on in my grant writing career, I uh, started at an, a new organization and um, we had grant funding for one program and we decided we wanted to um, do an event with it instead. So I wrote up an email and sent it to the funder and said, this is what we're planning to do. We're gonna do this big event for teenagers. And I didn't hear anything back, so I assumed we were good to go. And when I submitted my final report, I got a furious phone call on vacation in the middle of the woods from um, my board chair who had heard from the funder and who evidently did not get my original email. He was very upset about the fact that we had changed the program without letting him know. And um, it turns out that the email had been stuck in his spam filter um, and so, it all turned out okay, but it was, it was not the best foot to get off on. So make sure if you do have to make a change that you get some kind of written acknowledgement from the grant maker that that's okay to do. I thought this was an interesting sort of metaphor here. Um, so I thought I would share that with you in closing. Writing and submitting a grant proposal is a lot like planning for a vacation that you'll probably never get to take. The work you're proposing should be fun and interesting, but your chances are pretty slim that you'll ever get to do it, at least in the form that you propose it. Writing grants gives you the opportunity to come up with ideas, to consolidate your thoughts, and think through the program that you want to do and how you want to do it. So with that, I'll share a few training resources that I find to be especially helpful. Um, first of all, the Grant Professionals Association. I've been a member of this association for several years. Um, they offer webinars. They also offer, with your membership, a subscription to GrantStation, um, which is a grant search database that you can use for free. Um, they offer discounts for different grant management programs and trainings. They have a fantastic uh, national conference that's offered in different locations each year. And they also have a local chapter that is very active in the uh, DC metropolitan area. Um, there's a grants 
forum where you can go and ask questions and um, a lot of different good resources that they send out. Um, the Grantsmanship Center is another great source for training um, on grant writing and grant management. Thompson Grants uh, is very, very good for uh, federal grant um, knowledge and training. The National Grants Management Association um, also provides a lot of good trainings and webinars and information. They do a local, um, a national conference locally um, in National Harbor uh, each year and that brings in uh, nationally known speakers and um, professionals in the grants field. Um, the other resource that I like for training is the Foundation Center. Um, some of those are offered free, some of them you have to pay, and they have a local office based in DC. And finally, Grants USA also um, provides grant training um, for both grant writing and grant management. Some of the resources that I really like for managing a grant once you've received it, or even managing the grant applications that you are submitting, are um, Trello.com and Asana.com. These are really project management websites and um, you can use them for grants. They're both free. Um, Trello is more of a visual method and it use, uses boards and lists and cards that you move. Um, you can collaborate with other people, you can set deadlines, uh, you can create calendars and reminders. Um, Asana functions in a similar way but it's more uh, like a um, checklist and um, so a lot of people have been very successful in using those to collaborate with other people in their um, grant management. If you're looking for an opportunity that's tailored a bit more specifically to grants, um, Grant Hub runs about $75 a month and provides you with um, a dashboard that shows all of the grant funding you've applied for and all the grant funding you've received. Um, same with Grant Navigator, and that one, um, the cost is dependent on what you need for your organization. Um, but they're both relatively inexpensive, and they're both specifically tailored for grants management and very user-friendly and easy to learn. I want to thank you for um, listening in to this webinar today. And again, I'm Shalom Black and I'm with Loudoun County's Department of Management and Budget. Um, thank you for your time, and please feel free to contact me if you have any questions. Thanks.